every rejection was just redirection for me. I keep thinking about that. Every rejection redirected. The first agent who was like walking away, the first deal that was rescinded. I'm like, okay, it was meant to be that I would be here with you today with the deal that I have. My name is Bethany Saltman, and I am an author and a best-selling book coach. And I'm Fran Hauser. I'm an author, a keynote speaker, and a publishing strategist. These How I Did It conversations will inspire listeners to claim their own authority mindset and turn the story they can't stop telling into a book the world needs to read. This is Bookbound, the podcast created in partnership with Share Your Genius. Over 50 rejections, a year between landing an agent and a publicist. Listeners, you're in for a treat this episode. Bethany and I sat down with Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author Mita Malik. The ups and downs she shares will inspire you as you navigate your own author journey. She's a powerhouse when it comes to owning her authority in DEI and also when it comes to the business and marketing goals associated with the book process. She left us feeling motivated, and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it all over again. But that's enough from us. Let's dive into the conversation. Mita, we're so happy to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So Mita, I have to tell you, as I was preparing for today... I was reflecting on the first time that you and I met. Yes. Which was back in March on International Women's Day at the Live Girl mm-hmm. event. And I had the honor of interviewing you. And we talked about everything from your career to diversity and inclusion to your forthcoming book. At that time, it was your forthcoming yes. book, Reimagine Inclusion debunking 13 myths to transform your workplace. Fast forward to today, you are a Wall Street Journal and USA Today best-selling author. Oh, Congratulations. It's such Thank a big you so deal. Much. It's so surreal because I know we'll get into this with Bethany, but no one wanted this book four years ago. So it's just really surreal and really special and magical that I'm here with you having this discussion about the book yeah. journey. No, I I know it was not it was not an easy journey for you. And I think our listeners are really going to be in for a treat in terms of just you you giving them a look into what it was like. So let's let's dive in, Bethany. Yeah, absolutely. It's so great to meet you, Mita. Thank you so much Mm -hmm. for joining us. Um, I really I just have been devouring your book. I have so many questions about the book and about your process because that's Mm. really what we're all about. So I know that you wrote some novels before this book and and then you wrote this book. So I'd love to get into all of that. But first, can you tell us about when you knew that you had a book idea and not just another obsession or something that was keeping you up at night? How did you know that this was a book? That's a great question. I've had many books in me. I've had a lot of failed starts and stops and restarts. It was probably five years back. I do something that many people do, which is journal. But instead of journaling, I have career journals. So I like to process and heal and celebrate my highs and lows of things that are happening at work. And I would say it was right before the pandemic that I just started thinking about 
what are all the things that really hold us back from making meaningful progress in our workplaces? Because there's so much money being spent on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so it was through those reflections in the journals, I thought, huh, this could actually be a book. And at the same time, I was getting asked to speak a lot, contribute my voice in panels and articles and thought leadership. And I thought, well, how could I actually pull this all together in one mm, place? Interesting. I love that. So how did you um, stay heartened? You tried four novels, they didn't happen. And then you have this book idea that you see in your journal. And it's, it sounds like it was coming along with some authority building that was happening organically in your life. How did you stay heartened to say, okay, I'm going to try this again? Some dreams just won't die. Mm. They just keep chasing you. And oh my gosh. I, yeah. And I had buried it. There's that famous quote, when you bury a, bury a dream, what happens? It's like a seed. You're just actually planting it and watering it. You don't realize it. But I had pushed it away because I'd been rejected for so many years for so long. And there's nothing like key moments in your life. I lost my dad suddenly in 2017, and that's been a big part of my journey and my journey that's being rewritten. And so you start to think when things happen so suddenly and you lose people so suddenly, like, what am I holding on to? What am I scared of? Like, let's just, just keep trying. So I think that was wow. also a piece of, if I think about the last several years, what changed and why I tried again. Wow. Total goosebumps. That's so, so important and well said. And yeah, thank you for that. I have tears. I'm literally, do you see it? I'm tearing mm. up. Totally. That was so beautiful. Don't make me cry, Fran. Don't I know, me Mina. I'm, try, I'm, really try, I'm really trying to hold it together here. I was not <laughs> expecting this. So t take us through, it was a long journey for you to get yeah. this book published, but how did you find an agent? How did you yeah. get to Wiley? How did you get them excited? about this idea? So I had been working on the book, the book proposal. I'd been writing it. I can't, I don't even know how many agents I queried. I queried so many agents and was re rejected by a lot of them. And I found Josh Getzler, who's with HG Literary. I wish he was accepting more clients at the moment. You know, when you find someone who loves the book more than you, is that possible? Wow. Like even when I was like, oh gosh, this is never going to get published. It will, it will. Like he just, kept at it. And he, the moment I met him, I remember being on a call with him and he was ready to sign me then. And I was wow. like waiting. I want to take the weekend, right? To think about it. Cause I was like, is this real? Because I had been rejected so much. I, I hope more people are thinking about what allyship looks like. I mean, he identifies as a Jewish white man and he is an ally for and represents so many authors of color, which I find Amazing. just incredible because that's how the industry will start to change as well in publishing. So I had found him. He was like, I would say, a college professor. <laughs> he went through my book and had like really redlined it, which is what you want. Someone Love to that. Really be like, okay, yeah. this is like, how do you make the writing better? But I will tell you, I have, as many of you do, a rainy day folder of all the love notes people send you. So on days when you feel crappy, you open it and you're like, oh, people love me. I have a rejections <laughs> folder. I think it's over 50 rejections. I don't remember, but there's so many because he would forward me all the rejections that we were getting from the houses. And it was really disheartening because I didn't find that there was any meaningful feedback about the writing. But so it was just cold querying. Well, that's how you do it. And I know you said you weren't sure, but just because I know people are going to ask, can you give me a ballpark of how many agents you queried before you found Josh? I, I, 
at least a hundred. I don't, I've lost count because wow. I was, it okay. was just every, I and you all know this. this, like I have young kids. It was like late at night when they're asleep on a Saturday, Sunday night, I'm like Googling and sending, sending, sending. I actually had an agent who I won't name who signed me before Josh did and worked with me for a while and actually helped really crystallize what the book should be hmm. and actually had me work really deep on some chapters. And then I was sending her things. And then at the end of that summer said, actually, I'm not the best person to represent you. Oh. So there was like another, there's been oh, so many false threats and stuff. Oh my gosh. The books come out. And then I actually uh, sent her a note. She sent me a lovely note back. But so I did find an agent before I found Josh. Oh my gosh. Did wow. she give you feedback about why? Mm. No, she didn't. She just said, you know, she spent a lot of time back and forth in the chapters and gave me some good advice and then said, I just don't think I can do this book justice and yeah. represent you the way you need to be, which I'm honestly really grateful for. Yeah. I wasn't at the moment because I thought, gosh, I can't believe she doesn't work with me. But if oh, she doesn't God. actually have the relationships or she doesn't feel like she can sell the book or spread awareness in the way she needs to, I'm grateful that she walked away from it. So, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So you had about 50 publisher rejections after how hard it was to find an agent, right? You find the agent. Yeah. Now you have to find a publisher. Did you meet with any other publishers other than Wiley or was oh, Wiley yeah. your only meeting, in-person meeting? So, well, the Wiley one came later. So what happened is, you know, Josh helped me do a slew. I mean, there's so many that we had reached out to. I don't even remember. I'll go back to my folder and read them all. But <laughs> one of them, a very major publisher, one of the top 10 houses said yes, they were interested. And we were working with them. We had a meeting with the editor. And they wanted me to do something which is not atypical, I suppose, in the industry for first-time authors. They wanted a, a book by guarantee that I would sell X amount of books. Oh, boy. Which I know a lot of friends have been through, and it's been really yeah. difficult, right? And so even then, I, I agreed to that, thinking, God, I'm going to have like 14,000 copies of my book in my condo that I can't sell. <laughs> like, what? Was it 14,000? No, was it wasn't 14. I don't oh. remember the number. It was several. It, it was it was definitely several thousands. It wasn't okay. 14,000. But, you know, you think, God, I'm in yeah, this 1,200 square foot condo with two kids and a husband. Where would I put all these books if I don't sell them? Oh, I have to gosh. buy them myself. So even that, I decided to put together a marketing plan, did all this work oh my gosh. With, with Josh. And then Monday morning, I'm checking LinkedIn and I get a message from this editor saying, I'm really sorry it didn't work out and that we couldn't work together. And I wish you the best of luck. And I was like, what? And Josh hadn't seen the email in time, like over the weekend. This editor was really supportive of the book, but her boss said there's too many books like this being published in the oh, space. I was so ask. we can't can't publish that book. God, you guys are really taking me down memory lane because I have not shared all of this ups and downs. Yeah. And it was a major publisher. And I really thought it was gonna happen because it was one of my dad's oh my favorite gosh, publishers. Mita. That was after two, three weeks of taking meetings. Oh, and it's so interesting that you that you brought up the um the book buy guarantee yes. because a friend of mine she signed a contract not knowing Ugh, that there was she missed it and the agent her agent missed it oh my god and it was something like five thousand books wow. I think mine was, was around five thousand yeah. I made up the fourteen but you know it's yeah. a, that's a lot <laughs> of a lot of, lot of books in your apartment 
It's a lot of books a in lot your of apartment. Money. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a lot of books. So I'm really glad you you brought that up because it's just something you don't hear about it often, but it's just yeah. something to be aware of. Right. Yes. And I was really grateful. My agent, again, was an advocate for me and said, listen, went through the contract. This is what they would like. Are you comfortable with it? And at this point, I wanted a deal so bad. I was like, yes, I'll take that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then it, the offer, I w- offer was rescinded. And then Wiley. So Wiley, the story with Wiley is that I was devastated after that offer was rescinded. Devastated. And my good friend, Lan Fan, who's the founder and CEO of Community 7, she has a book coming out. So you should definitely have her on this podcast. And she said to me, this book is going to happen. You need to do what you're really good at doing, which is build community and conversation. Just put the book aside. It's going to happen. And I didn't believe her. I was like, you're going to say that. It's not going to happen. And, you know, so she's like, just do it. So at that time, my friend DC Marshall and I had this idea for a podcast. So we start a podcast called Brown Table Talk. We self-fund the first eight episodes of season one. We get a call from LinkedIn. They're like, we love your podcast. Would you join our podcast network? Then I start writing for Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, Adweek. I'm continuing to put out content on LinkedIn. Like a year and a half goes by. And one day I get a FaceTime missed call from D and her right hand, Stephanie. And I'm like, why are you FaceTiming me? Like the only people who FaceTime me is like my mom. Like it's like the <laughs> middle of the day. Why are you FaceTiming me? So they try to FaceTime me several times. And finally at like six o'clock on that Friday night, I like FaceTime them back and they're both crying and they say to me, we need to read you this email. And the title of the email says, meet a Malik. And it is an editor from Wiley, Victoria, who also has signed D for a book deal and says, your podcast host sounds amazing. Would she be interested in writing oh a book? And so up. the two of them knew because D used to be my coach. So they're both crying and they're like, uh-huh. oh my God. And then D really helped me with that strategic introduction to Wiley. And I did a whole podcast episode around it because I hope more women show up for each other in terms of making those introductions. So that's how I got the Wiley deal. So it was a year and a half later that you got that deal. Yeah. I thought you were going to say it was like, oh, a couple of weeks later, then we met with Wiley. So you, okay, so you got this amazing advice from your friend. Yeah who said, look, it's going to happen. Just like really focus on creating content, creating a community, becoming an authority, even more of an authority in this space. And then Wiley came to you. Through D, yeah. D. So Victoria is the editor at Wiley. She's amazing. She's silently, quietly signing all these women authors. Yes. Particularly women of color. It's like incredible what she's doing there. But every rejection was just redirection for me. I keep thinking about that. Every rejection redirected. The first agent who was like walking away, the first deal that was rescinded. I'm like, okay, it was meant to be that I would be here with you today Mm -hmm. with the deal that I have. Mm. So a question I have, um, and this is something that I bring up with authors I work with all the time. What was your goal in writing the book? Because clearly you have a lot to say. You're an authority in the space. You kept on track. Um, When people get rejected, which of course happens all the time, you know, I try to help them see what is the goal and what, how should you redirect? So in your wise redirection, what was in your mind with the goal? Like, why stay with it? 
I wanted to make impact in the world. I want the world of work to be different than what I entered for my kids, for all of our kids. And so yeah. I was just going to keep trying to publish the book. And for me, yes, I do a lot of public speaking. Yes, I'm good at public speaking. I wasn't born public speaking. I was born very introverted and painfully shy. I love writing. So if there's a way, if you ask me what my preference is, would I rather do a TED Talk or be guaranteed three book deals? I'd be like, eh, maybe three book deals, right? Yeah. But if you asked my co-host D that, she'd be like, I'll do a TED Talk any day. Mm -hmm. So I knew what my format was, which was yep. the, the power of the written word. And I knew a lot of people kept asking me for advice. And I thought, gosh, if I could just put this in writing and scale it, because also, as you all know, there's only so many hours in a day and so many people we wish we could meet with, we can't. But a mm. book gives you access to lots of people. Yeah. So it sounds like you really had a need to, to be of service. Hey there, sorry to interrupt, but we know you're hungry for more on how to write, sell, and launch your own book. So we'd love to tell you about something special we have starting up in May of 2024. Yep, Fran and I are incredibly excited to host a bookbound mastermind literally designed just for you. We know so many of you wanna write the next chapter of your lives by publishing a book, but you aren't sure how. So we created this year-long mastermind to take you step-by-step step through the process. So if you're a woman executive, entrepreneur, or thought leader who's ready to take your brand and business to the next level by writing and publishing a book, this is the opportunity for you. Over the course of one year, we'll meet in person in New York City eight times, offer regular virtual support, and one-on-one -on -one coaching from your favorite book coaches. That's us, of course. And in addition to all the juicy stuff Fran just told you about, we've also created our very own extensive bookbound database of publishers looking for books just like yours. And the only people who have access are the folks in the mastermind. So go to bookboundpodcast.com slash mastermind for all the details. The link will be in the show notes too. We hope you'll join us. There's only 12 spots available. So if you're interested, apply today. Let's talk a little bit about marketing and mm. the, the launch plan for this yeah. book. And I mean, the book just came out in October. Th this is what I hear from aspiring authors. Mm. And I'm sure both of you hear the same thing, which is they get so overwhelmed by this idea of like, I have to have an author platform and, you know, thinking about like creating a launch plan for the book and being out there and kind of what that looks like. What do you think has really worked for you in marketing mm -hmm. this yeah. book? I'd, I'd love to hear just like you're, what, you're in it. You're in the thick of it. Yeah. What have you learned? I would say that being a marketer has been just invaluable in terms of being able to sell this book because I think this is true of whatever house you go with. The publishing industry has really changed. That's why you're all doing this podcast. I'm not... Michelle Obama or Prince Harry or Oprah, as my husband keeps reminding me, I'm just me and I'm a first-time author. And there's not a lot of resources that first-time authors are given. So it's really up to you to sell and drive the book. I think the number one thing is you have to know who your audience is, yes. who's going to buy your book. And for yep. me, I knew my big audience was going to be corporates mm -hmm. because so many people will reach out to me 
ask me for advice and help. I was like, well, I have two full-time jobs. I already have a job as a mom and a job as a head of DE&I at a fintech company. So oftentimes I have a list of consultants. I'm always recommending other people. Mm. And this time I thought, well, actually my book could be helpful. And so I knew who my audience was. And the book came out in October, but I had quietly been selling and seeding my plan March, April. Mm-hmm. People don't tell you that. And my mm-hmm. agent, who just gave me some really great advice, we always go out to lunch and he gives me like a to-do list. He's like, I see too many authors like two weeks before. They're yeah. like, where's the launch plan? No, no, you are the launch plan. You have to create it. Yeah. And I also say when I go back to rejection is redirection, I'm so thankful. This is going to sound strange to you all mm-hmm. listening that I had to wait four years for my book to be published. I'm really thankful because I built a community of people who had been reading my writing for free for years and really liked what I had to say. And so then when I had a book to sell, so many people have been willing to buy it because they actually knew, they hadn't read the book yet, but they knew what I enjoyed talking about. They knew what my content was like. So it wasn't as much of a gamble for them to spend $26 on the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so one point that I just want to reiterate, this is really important, is that, you know, this idea of working on your launch plan Mm, six months before, like really being right, it's not the two weeks before or even a month before, but it's six months before where you're really thinking about your network, you're thinking about how to activate it, right? You're thinking about publicity, do I want to write an op-ed? Who are we pitching? You know, you're thinking about we we actually had Pam Slim um, on the the podcast, and she has this great concept called watering holes. Like the watering mm-hmm. holes are where your customers gather. Yes, and so like if you think about like where do your potential readers gather? Like for that. you, Mita, it's definitely it's corporates. It's corporate. It's, it's organizations. Um, and it's maybe LinkedIn because you are Absolutely. a top voice on LinkedIn. You have over 100,000 followers. That's where your people are. It is. Right? And somebody was like, you should do TikTok books. And I'm like, I have a defunct no. TikTok channel. Yeah. Like, this is not, no, I'm not going <laughs> to, all of a right. sudden, I'm not going to have this huge TikTok platform. So the other thing I would say is my publisher said to me, I can't believe you're selling this many books. Like, every week our team is asking how you're doing it. And I said, well, I have a really engaged community. It's not that I just have a large followership. I try to respond to people when they DM me. I try to respond to comments. And my biggest single order was probably 300 books. My biggest single order. So imagine I had so many people ordering like 5, 10, 15, 20. And so don't, don't discount that. We're all influencers on some level. And so thinking about those micro influencers don't discount somebody who's going to buy 10 books and give those away to a team meeting because guess what? Somebody might grab that book and read it and might buy 10 more. And so I really thought about micro-influencers as opposed to I need to get the CEO of X company to buy 10,000 books. Like that wasn't going to happen for me this time around. Yeah, no, I love, I do love that idea of micro-influencers. And I, I always say, like when you think about your connections, the people that are in your world, what's their highest and best use mm. when it comes to helping you and supporting you with your book? Because they are going to want to help. Yes. And I always try to think of like one ask, you know, like of each person. Like for example, when Myth of the Nice Girl came out, yeah. I had all these incredible young women that I had mentored over the years. A lot of them didn't have big social media followings, 
right? But like, do you know a way that they could help me was just to buy the book and write a review on Amazon. Yes, absolutely. That's huge. Like that goes such a long way. So like not discounting that. And also knowing, I thought what you were good at too, Mita, and I really think this is so underrated, is you did reach out to people personally. Of course you have like your group emails that go out. Of course, right? Those are efficient. But you did also make personal asks. And I can't stress that enough. I just, I think it's so important. It is because guess what? We can all hide behind a group email. I've done it. Not meaning to, but you're like, oh, this was, but then all of a sudden you write, hi, Fran. Hi, Beth. Yeah. And even that like you including me in your newsletter, you like so many amazing things, like all of those things are meaningful and they add up to the plan. So don't discount anything. I did as much as I could. I wasn't like, oh, this, this doesn't seem big enough or this is too small. No. Yeah. Everything. I was yeah. open to anything and everything. Well, that's yeah. such great advice. And some of our listeners may be intimidated by the fact that you have 100,000 followers on LinkedIn. <laughs> so I just want to remind them all that you didn't always. And that no. that four-year hiatus from you know publishing the book was a really important opportunity for you to build that. And so whether you have 100,000 followers or 100 followers, the, the lessons still stand. Do what you love, serve yes. the people that you want to connect to, and you know keep the dream alive, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I also wanted to ask a question, another question about the proposal, something that I, I love about your book and comes up with um, new writers all the time, your organizing principle, the 13 myths. Now, was the book always the 13 myths, or how did you get to that? So there are a lot of great books on diversity, equity, and inclusion and leadership out right now. And so part of this goes to marketing the book. As I was writing it, I was also thinking, who's the audience and how would I capture people's attention? And so I thought about what are the stories that I tell my kids at night, the bedtime stories, and what are the Mm -hmm. stories we tell ourselves at work? So I started thinking about it from that angle. I love that. And so I would encourage anyone who's working on a proposal, that's actually really an important moment to think, okay, now who's going to buy the book and how am I going to get their attention? Especially Mm -hmm. in a base where there's so many people writing books like this. In fact, some of the feedback I got, one of the pieces of feedback I got was that there was a lot of people who look like Mita writing books like this. Wow. So we're going to pass on How did that feel to get that feedback? Oh, it was devastating because a lot of the feedback was very, I thought very superficial. The Mm -hmm. other one that I thought was always funny was, oh, come can Mita come back to us when she has a book more like Sheryl Sandberg? And I really like Sheryl Sandberg, especially Option B, which she co-wrote with Adam Grant. But I'm not Sheryl Sandberg. I'm not going to come up with a book like her. Or the other one, which was like Mita has Mita has masterful storytelling capabilities. Her writing pops off the page. Yes, I did memorize some of this feedback for some of you listening. Love it. I was like, what is this feedback? And it was like, oh, she doesn't have enough followers. Oh, my God. No one's going right. to buy this book. And at the time... I had like 25,000 followers, I think. And now I have over 130,000 followers. But again, that was over the years that I said, okay, if that's the vanity metric you need, all right, I'm going to do that too. And I'm going to still write an amazing book. Do you you have another book in you? I do. I have another proposal I'm working on. I'm very excited about it. That's really exciting. How does it it feel to be working on this book proposal? Oh, it feels amazing. It feels pretty freeing. So now I have much more momentum 
I would say, but we'll see. I'm sure I'll have more stories about the second proposal. But it's real. It's bittersweet. I really wish my dad was here to see this, right? The yeah. All the success of the book. Oh, Mita. Amazing. This, I have to tell you, like, the, I've had just so many goosebumps during this conversation. Yeah, I'm so grateful to you. I really am for everything, for all of the work that you do. Yeah. And Bethany, you said something before about being of service. Like this book, I mean, I have to show it. Look yeah, at how amazing, gorgeous. And I love the yellow. It is such an important book. Oh, I can't say that enough. So thank you. Thank you for being you. And thank you for being so generous with your insights and your wisdom and sharing your experiences. We feel so lucky and grateful um, to have had this conversation with you. And before we wrap, please share with everyone where they can learn more about you and your work and how to best stay connected with you. You can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram and my book, Reimagine Inclusion, Debunking 13 Myths to Transform Your Workplace is available wherever you buy books, Amazon as well. And if you love the book, as Fran said, a five-star review. Yes, yes, on yes. Amazon. Five-star. Buy and review. Buy and, and not just yeah. to me, to other authors. Yes. Just supporting authors means a lot. I didn't know the journey and now I'm here and some spreading awareness. So thank no. you very much. Amazing. You're amazing. We love you. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Bookbound. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Please visit us at bookboundpodcast.com for more on us and how we work with authors. 